well, that's the ultimate question that Peter's about to ask me. And I'm, I'm actually trying to think of the answer. <laughs> and I was in my head, I was saying, I think I know what you're going to say, but who knows? So I am going to answer Jacks, man. Stock versus index funds. <laughs> Which one is better? Um... Hello, welcome to Woke Finance, the podcast discussing all things finance and all things finance related. It's your boy Peter and I'm with my co-host, my bro, Jax. How are you, man? How's it going, Peter? I'm very well. Oh my gosh, I was speaking to someone the other day. Is it me or is the year going so fast? At the time of recording this episode, we are in mid-August and it's like, I can't believe soon the Christmas lights are going to be out. <laughs> Mate, it's, it's all mad. It's all mad. It's coming around so quickly, man. And can you believe we are on almost approaching our 50th episode? It's coming soon. And for our listeners, as you know, we've got a special announcement for our 50th episode. So do stay tuned. But Jack, before I even give a shout out to our listeners, how are you feeling about the other day, man? We played football against each other. How are you, how are you recovering? <laughs> that was a great game. Um, I'm really tired. I think we played for 90 minutes nonstop. It was mad. It was man. You would be tired, especially if you was on the losing team. But that's another story for another Whoa. day. <laughs> so that's what you're doing, Peter. You're not telling them about all the other times. Uh, the joys of editing podcasts, man. I'll make sure that bit is out, man. But bro, definitely good to hear from you, man. And a big shout out to all of our listeners um, that stay tuned in and keep supporting us, man. We do appreciate you very much. And we will, of course, ask you to do the usual like, subscribe, share, and um, share with someone that you think this is going to be of value to as well. And talking of our listeners, every now and then we just make sure we keep up with the questions coming in, whether it's on Instagram or via email. Um, our Instagram is Woke Finance Team. Um, and we just uh, chop it up and see if we can do an episode on um, on what's coming from our listeners. And some of our, well, one of our listeners in particular wanted us to speak a bit more in detail, Jax, about some of our episodes on individual um, stocks um, and index funds. So we said, let's just do a quick one on stocks versus index funds. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jax, how do you feel about that, man? Yeah, it's a very popular question. You know, uh, many people that are new to investing, they probably hear about index funds very early on. And of course, they know about individual stocks and shares. So it is a place that people struggle to navigate through as to which one is better, how they should be structuring their portfolio. So it's going to be a very interesting um, episode where I can actually shed some light as to how to go about doing this. Absolutely, absolutely. And as all of our listeners know, if you go and check our early episodes, we talk a bit about stocks and um, index funds in different um, episodes. And um, hopefully you have a gist of what it is. But for any of our new listeners or for people that might just need a reminder, Jax, in your humble opinion, what are stocks? What comes to mind when someone um, says, you know, what is a stock? Yeah, so the easiest definition, I think, is just understanding that stocks represent ownership in public businesses. So essentially when you buy a stock, what you're doing is you're actually buying shares in a business that has gone through a process called an IPO of becoming a public company so that you and I can buy shares in the company. Essentially that is what a stock is. 
Brilliant, man. And again, as this episode is stocks versus index funds, very quickly, what's an index fund? And when you do that, Jax, um, I love the example with um, using like box of chocolates and stuff like that. But do you mind just adding that example in as well? Yeah, absolutely. So index funds, um, the clue is in this name, it is a fund that replicates an index. Just to explain, it is essentially a pool type of investment. Um, it's a basket or a collection of stocks that you buy in one go. So the example that I'm sure you've heard me say many times um, is, of course, when we're buying stocks, we can use um, chocolates to represent or symbolize stocks. We can go and buy Twix. We could go and buy Snickers, which is my pre- my personal favorite, alongside Bueno. <laughs> um, you can go and buy these chocolates individually. But if you wanted to buy a whole mix of chocolates, you can go and buy the celebrations box. So the celebrations box is actually what symbolizes, for example, an index fund, whereas buying the individual chocolate in itself is quite similar to buying a stock. Brilliant, man. That makes perfect sense, man. My personal favorite chocolate growing up was definitely a Snickers bar, man. All three layers. I loved it. But that makes perfect sense, man. And just staying on the index funds uh, piece, uh, Jax, as you know, me personally, I'm a big fan of um, obviously stocks, but also index funds, man. I love buying um, different funds focusing on either, you know, different uh, sectors or different types of businesses with different strategies as well for that particular um, uh, fund as well. So, Jax, do you want to just talk a bit more as you continue to expand on what index funds are, but talk a bit more about some of the pros of index funds? Yeah, so, you know, using the same example of what um, index funds could symbolize in the chocolate world, essentially, one of the first things that should come to mind is diversification. Mm. So, you know, by actually investing in an index fund rather than buying individual stocks, Um, you get the immediate diversification of a whole wide range of different companies. If you buy, for example, an individual company and you've done your research and that kind of stuff, you still run the risk that unfortunately that one company can go bankrupt, which means you can lose all your money. But for example, if you talk about some of the most popular index or indices out there, We've got, for example, the FTSE 100, which is the largest 100 100 companies in the UK where we are from. But actually the most popular type of index is the S&P 500, which is the largest 500 public companies in America. If you was to buy the largest 500 companies in America through that index fund, which is the pooled investment, the chances are if all 500 companies go bankrupt, we have much, much bigger problems. So we can say with a high level of confidence that it is very, very unlikely that you're going to lose all your money by investing in 500 companies. Whereas if you buy one company, of course, um, you still run that risk. No, absolutely, man. And um, as you're just saying that, um, I've just got an, an example here. This is, of course, not a recommendation, but on... Hargreaves Lansdowne, you've got the UBS S&P 500 index um, accumulation and the performance, man, I'm pretty impressed with it. I mean, year to date, we're in August 2021 now and was 26%. And the year before that, 9%. And uh, the year before that, 9%. The year before that, 17%. Um, I'm not complaining on that. It's pretty, you know, straightforward, um, low risk tracking the um, S&P 500 um, index as well, man. And and Jax, just on that, so when I'm looking here, the, the ongoing charge here is, the net ongoing charge is 0.09. How does that compare to a 
mutual funds, for example, or the different types of funds that are out there, so to speak? Yeah, you've hit a no on the head. And I think this is one of the key advantages, if not the most important advantage of an index fund is the fact that they are very cheap. That is basically £9 for every £100 you invest per annum. That is very, very, very cheap. And you can get even cheaper when it comes to other index funds, depending on who the provider or who the um, fund manager actually is. And the reason why it's cheap is because the fund manager just has to go and replicate the existing index. They don't have to try and pick the best companies out there. And at first thought, you may think, hey, it may be better if I actually buy a mutual fund, which is more actively managed, which means the fund manager is actually trying to pick the best companies on your behalf. However, if we look at the data, what we find is over a long period of time, a lot of these active fund managers in mutual funds struggle to outperform the index funds over that long period of time, especially when you take into consideration the fees as part of the return. So for that reason, index funds have gained huge popularity mm. and many, many people starting their investment journey or those that have been around for a very long time much prefer index funds to mutual funds. Mm. And, and, and that last statement in terms of, you know, index funds um, outperforming in majority of the times um, actively managed funds, that's of course been made quite popular and supported by Mr. Warren Buffett himself over the last few years. Yep, it's supported by many, many investors um, because it's a very passive and easy way to invest for the long term. Um, and, you know, I, I must say, when we are talking about the long term, um, that's where index funds really, really show their strength because that's when the compounding effects really, really um, mean more. And so maybe in a shorter term, maybe if you've got a, a five-year time horizon, a mutual fund can outperform an index fund in that short time horizon. But the longer that time horizon goes on, the chances are the index fund will probably outperform the mutual fund. No, absolutely, man. Um, let's focus a bit more on the the, the, the pros as well, um, uh, Jacks, with index funds as well. So um, what are some of the other uh, pros, I guess, um, to having index index funds in your in one's portfolio? Well, again, it's something that's managed by um, someone on your behalf. So, you know, rather than you trying to pick the best companies yourself, you know that you're actually capturing a wide, wide market. Now, the great thing is, you still have a choice. Now, when I'm talking to um, people that are coach and I talk about the different type of investors, I call these people that actively passive, not completely passive, actively passive, because you still have a choice as to what type of fund you want to invest in. Mutual fund, I'm sorry, index funds can be categorized by different categories. Mm. Like you said, you could do it through um, country and region, like the S&P 500 is obviously American. We've got the um, FTSE 100, which is the UK. You've got different ones out there. Um, you've got the CAC, you've got the DAX, you've got a, you've, you've got a Russell 2000, which is also Amer um, the largest 200 companies in America, I believe. And you can also invest in index funds by looking at different type of asset classes. So if you are someone who wants to invest in something like real estate, but you don't have real estate knowledge, you can actually buy a real estate index fund as well. So it really, really helps you if you're not a, an expert, and most of us are not experts in industries, you can still gain exposure to these industries by buying the index. No, and I think you 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 hit the nail on the um, head right there, actually, because <clears throat> even if you you know a bit about a particular sector or even a region um, or even a type of market, such as you know 
over the past few years, people have taken their eyes to, um, to emerging markets, for example. Um, you may think you may think you know a bit more about the, um, that particular market, um, but even just focusing on the one company, it might be quite risky. So tracking an index funds which has a bulk of those companies from a particular market or sector or geography just really diversifies and uh, lowers uh, one's risk as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, um, it is a very, very common practice to actually use index funds. Um, and I'll talk about this a bit later, but it's common practice to use index funds to form the core of one's portfolio mm. um, because of that diversification and because you can actually just capture different industries in one quick go. Um, so it is very, very, very popular. Absolutely. Fantastic. Cool, man. Where else are some of, uh, what are some of the other uh, pros of having um, index funds? I think we've captured most of it. Most of it is actually the, in, the diversification, the ability to have it managed on your behalf, and the fact that they're really, really cheap. And the fact that, generally speaking, they have proven to be quite reliable means that for most people, this is a great place to structure their portfolio, to focus on index funds and potentially other strategies as well. Absolutely. And for our listeners as well, um, on episode 32 and 33, by the haystack, not the needle, the case of funds, we actually go into quite a bit of detail about the different types of funds. We are focusing on index funds for now, but there's so many, well, there's a few different types of funds. So definitely recommend you going into that. But just before we move on um, in terms of some of the cons, um, where can someone actually access or buy an index fund, so to speak? Yeah, very good question. Um, so there are different platforms when it comes to investing or gaining access to the stock market. We've got robo-advisors such as Nutmeg and potentially Moneybox as a robo-advisor. Um, with these type of platforms, you don't actually get to pick the funds that you are investing in. But from, the, from my research, that's how they actually work. They invest on your behalf, but they actually buy funds. Mm. Could be index funds, could be ETFs and mutual funds. Um, but alternatively, if you are someone who's really interested in funds, um, the type of platform that I think is very popular and great for them are what we call traditional investment platforms. And again, these are not investment recommendations, but um, platforms such as Hargreaves Lansdowne is pretty well known for, um, you know, for funds, as we, we even used an example today. And one of the most popular platforms is Vanguard, um, who obviously provide Vanguard funds. Um, I have a preference for the traditional investment platforms personally because they allow you to buy a wide range of different funds from different providers. Mm. It's not just their own company, but as a platform like, let's say, Vanguard, who are brilliant and they only will provide Vanguard funds. Mm. Absolutely. And you can also get, <clears throat> again, not a recommendation, but you can get like Vanguard funds on platforms such as um, Hargreaves, Lansdowne as well. Precisely. Um, fantastic. Thanks for that, Jax. Um, so we've spoken about the pros um, for index funds um, and we've spoken about, well, we'll speak a bit more about diversification when it comes to your portfolio and ensuring that you have a, a nice balance. Um, and I've, of course, spoken about my excitement for index funds. But that aside, what are some of the cons when it comes to index funds? I've never seen someone as excited as you when it comes to index funds, that's for sure. <laughs> and I don't know why. <laughs> um, so, you know, 
there are not many cons, but there are some that stand out when it comes to um, index funds, in my opinion. And um, I, I guess it is a double-edged sword. When you are buying an index fund, remember you capture a whole um, index. And within the index are different companies, different stocks. So unfortunately or fortunately, you're going to get some stocks in there that you may not want to be a part of. Um, for different reasons or you might not want in your personal portfolio unfortunately you can't make that decision if you are capturing the whole index in one go um, and and that's probably the most common um, flow of an index fund for example if you are someone who is um, very uh, particular about ethical restrictions for example if you don't want access to let's say tobacco companies um, or any companies if you're you know if you're a company that does animal testing and you're an animal lover, you might not like that company very much. Very unfortunately, if you buy an index fund such as the S&P 500 or the FTSE 100, which has, let's say, tobacco companies, automatically you are actually investing in these companies as well. So that, I would say, is probably the most um, outstanding uh, con when it comes to index funds. Um, but other uh, cons, I would say, potentially... Uh, maybe the fact that you probably just have to relate it to the benefit of investing in individual companies mm. where actually, you know, you can actually do a bit more research when it comes to valuations and actually buy it at the right prices. Whereas um, index funds, you know, if you're buying the index as a whole, remember it's an average, first and foremost, your returns are an average relative to an individual stock, which can obviously blow up much more if it's just one company. Um, but whether that's a con or not, I guess that really depends on how you are and how good you are as a stock picker. Um, but yeah, you can you can call that a, a potential downside of investing in index funds because it is an average of returns. Absolutely. And just on your first point, um, Jack, so um, the ethical side of things, um, I guess that's... Um, and there won't be many of them, but there are particular funds that focus on um, so-called ethical investing as well, um, which you have to do a bit of research to find as well for people that are particular about um, where they want to put their money in as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, when we're talking about some of the potential pros of mutual funds so the actively managed funds relative to let's say an index fund that is one that stands out because mutual funds since they are actively managed the fund manager can be a bit more picky with the ethical restrictions and and trying to stick to a mandate um i for example i'm invested in a um in a mutual fund that has uh, a positive outlook on the world. So it does focus on companies that don't do things like pollution and, and focuses on climate change and sustainability. Brilliant. And again, if you want to check out what mutual funds are, check out episode 32 um, to find out a bit more in detail. And then your second point, just in terms of returns, I guess for me, that's, well, that you can definitely class that as a, you know, a um, con because if you were to compare you know, most index funds because it has a basket of companies that some can do well, some may not do well. So again, you'll get average return. But if you were to compare it to say, let's say, you know, one of the bigger blue chip companies or so and look at the returns, um, you will s tend to see quite a significant difference if you were to look at it over the past five to 10 years. Yeah, and that's true. Um, I mean, I always say hindsight is always perfect. Mm. Um, and so, you know, even though some people... Might say that's a con. I think there is a misconception 
that index funds can't give you, you know, exponential returns. If we look at the past 12 years, you see that you've actually made some really, really great returns by just investing in an index. And what you also find is many, many, many people struggle to be the index. We've spoke about even the active fund managers who have spent a lot of time, research and energy and studying, you know, to be able to be fund managers, they can't outperform, um, you know, some of these index funds. So a lot of individuals, of course, will also struggle um, to outperform these index funds as well. Wow. So even more pros for um, index funds. I'm loving it, Jax, man. I'm loving it. Oh, um, <laughs> you're getting everyone excited just like I am. Um, so on that note then, uh, Jax, let's go back to the, I guess, individual name, stocks. Um, you, you've spoken a bit about what um, stocks are. What do you feel are some of the pros in investing in these individual companies? I mean, you spoke about the research side of things. If you had an index, let's say the S&P 500, you're not going to sit down and research all 500 companies. But when it comes to your individual company, and again, this is where the learning comes. Um, I, I enjoy reading um, reports about individual companies, enjoy listening to quarterly earning calls. We're in earnings seasons right now as we speak. And it's, so, it's such an exciting time just hearing how businesses are going, whether you're invested in them or not. So it'll be good. And I certainly think that's definitely a pro, but it'll be good to, to hear from you, Jax, a bit more about some of the pros for investing in inv- individual companies. Yeah, you've hit the no on the head. And it really does come down to just understanding the differences with individual companies you can be much more particular so you can be much more picky and you can set yourself your own different kind of checklist or you know what you're interested in and you know what where your advantages when it comes to investing one of the biggest advantages um, as an investor um, and I picked this up very early on in my career when I read um, uh, One Up on Wall Street by Peter Lynch is if you are someone who works in an industry, you might understand that industry much, much better than anyone else. You might be able to spot companies that are doing very, very well early on as well. That is your comparative advantage. And if you are someone who can do that, you can invest in that company that you understand very well. We call it your um, kind of your circle of competence. That's what Warren Buffett calls it. You can invest in that company, especially if you are someone who either works in it or even consumes the products or services on a consistent basis. And I think that's one of the best things about being an individual stock picker. You can actually be particular about investing in the company that you truly believe in. Hmm. No, I fully hear that. And I, I definitely agree with that. And I've definitely found that um, that to be the case in, in, in my individual journey over the past few years. Um, great, man. What, what else are, what are some other uh, pros of investing in individual business, Jax? Yeah, I think especially if you're, if you're doing it properly, um it's one of those things where it really helps to change who you are mm. um you know i became a much educated much more educated person or much more commercially aware person when i became a stock picker because i started to follow my companies so on a quarterly basis i will be listening to the conference calls um and it also teaches you business um mm. i always tell people that when you are investing in individual names or individual companies it's not a gambling decision Mm. um you're not just buying lottery tickets in the name of stocks what you're actually doing is you're making what we call a business decision and so when you are a stock picker and you know how to do this properly you learn how to do this properly and you continue learning because it's a very very long-term continuous learning process Mm. it really really helps you to um, become just much more commercially aware Um, and you and you feel good 
you feel yeah. good because um, someone like myself who grew up in a low-income household, the fact that I can say that I am a part owner of a business that I adore or I believe in or I think can give me some pretty decent returns is an amazing and a fantastic feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely heard that, bro. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I was gonna say that's 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 I think one of the best things about being an individual stock picker. And mm. of course, as we say, if you can really find a company very early on um, that you understand, you know, you you can actually make some very very good exponential substantial returns over the long term. Brilliant, man. Um, anything else to add to that on your side in terms of the pros um, for um, individual uh, companies? And what I'm keen on doing is just, I guess comparing both in and find that in your humble opinion which one is better but before we do that we're also going to touch on the cons as well but any pros from your side any further yeah i mean i mean every single pro will be directly linked to the fact that you've just you know um you just could be more particular and you can actually pick um rather than just capturing a whole wide of companies that you might not want to be a part of. For example, um, if you are investing in, let's say, let's say the FTSE 100 or the FTSE 250 or, or any index, within that index, there might be companies that you really don't believe in. There may be companies that, um, you know, are probably on the downside, probably about to go bankrupt at some point, you know, maybe they're not innovating as much as they used to, but they are very big companies because historically they were great companies. However, as time has gone on, um, you know, the smaller companies that man or made the index right now um, are actually, you know, doing better. So, you know, that could be a con, but even then, to be honest with you, Peter, you can be, you know, a bit more strategic as to what index you invest in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can actually create a portfolio of different types of indices um, that can capture the industries that you really believe in. Um, but yeah, the main benefit of being a stock picker is the fact that you could be particular and choose the kind of company you want to invest in. And you can go into as much detail as you want, especially if you are someone who, you know, has things like ethical restrictions where you can actually, you know, seek to see what a company actually does, who are the CEOs and that kind of stuff and make a decision. Brilliant, man. Loving it, loving it, loving it. Um, Jax, what we are going to do now, we're just going to go into, especially in the current world we're in, uh, we are in QQ land, as we like to say. And um, just even on the back of um, common mistakes investors make where we, that episode where we were talking about common mistakes that investors make, where we, even myself and you, we just spoke about some of the mistakes we've made on our journey. And we're going to go into some of the cons, Jax, um, regarding um, investing in individual businesses. But before we do that, to our listeners listening all over the world, as you know, we like to give a massive shout out to places where we get new listeners. Um, and Jax, today we are going to be giving out a shout out to all of our listeners in Moscow, which is the capital city of Russia. Moscow, Russia. Goodness. Come me. on. Come on. <laughs> the first thing that comes to my mind is cold. It's cold. <laughs> Big, uh, massive shout out to those over there in Russia, man. Yeah, big up Russia, big up Moscow. Come on, come on, come on. Thank you very much to you all. Keep tuning in. And of course, a massive shout out to all of our listeners as well. Um, at this point, I am going to remind you, if you haven't done the usual, make sure you just press pause and do the usual. All right, Jack's going to come back straight to you. And we're going to start to wrap up with what are some of the cons of investing in individual businesses? 
yeah whilst i am a huge fan of people learning how to obviously invest in individual companies and do the research i think very unfortunately many people struggle to do it properly and it's not because in investing in individual names is a bad thing it's because when you are investing in individual companies many people see it as just a stock or a lottery ticket they don't really see it as a business so that's not really a con of actually investing in individual names, but it's something that usually comes with it that I've noticed as a, as a financial coach and someone who even does portfolio reviews. I think also as a con, the most obvious con of, of individual names or investing in individual businesses is the fact that that business can obviously go bankrupt. Um, and the chances of it going bankrupt, obviously, is much higher relative to investing in a wide range of stocks through an index fund. So we can say that's another, another con when we talk about individual names and individual stocks. There's also something called um, information asymmetry. Um, I'm just gonna throw it in there. Essentially what that means is you never really know the full information when you are investing in an individual company. Mm. You can do as much research and as much due diligence as you want. You can read the financial statements, go into the company's investor relations page, listen to the presentations, the last conference calls, but there's always something you don't know and that presents risk. And so that increases the risk if you're just investing in obviously a single name. I would never encourage anybody to have all the portfolio in one company. It could be the best company in the world, but we all have a level of ignorance, meaning we just don't know everything about the company and all companies can grow bankrupt regardless of how big they are. So it is something that I would I wouldn't advise. Hmm. And you touched on that uh, at the beginning of this uh, episode, Jax, in terms of I guess you know rough breakup of how one's portfolio could look. And we we are going to do a, a, a much longer episode on just sort of um, having a diversified portfolio. But you know, very quickly, what are your 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 views around the breakup of? how many companies versus index funds one should have in their portfolio? A, a, a brief overview, not like detailed. Yeah, I mean, look, I have a, um, a preference that if anyone asks me how to they, how should they structure their portfolio, um, how I would come, kind of advise them and what would make me feel comfortable that captures also diversification and having a bit of fun is what we call the core satellite approach. And I've probably mentioned it in one of the episodes where essentially you make the core of your overall portfolio focus on index funds. It could be just a couple, could be like the S&P 500 or something like that. And then the rest of your portfolio will be focused on individual names. But remember the core, which means the majority of your money will be in a well-diversified um, fund or index fund. And then you can have a bit of fun, get a bit of flavor into the portfolio by, for example, investing in companies um, that you really like and consume from. So many new investors that I, I've come across that do that, they will buy, let's say, an S&P 500 index, and then they will invest in companies, individual companies that they consume from. That's a great way to start, in my humble opinion. Mm, brilliant. And you mentioned never put all your money into just one, in your portfolio should just not have uh, just a one star. I don't even know why I'm laughing because that's it. <laughs> people can make anyway so forgive me if that's new to our listeners but never put all your money in just to, in the one stock and um, on, on that Jax what, what would you say is like the the general threshold for the percentage at which um a holding should make in your overall portfolio yeah it's very subjective very very subjective um 
and you'll find that some people will say things like, you know, you can have uh, a portfolio of even up to 100,000 and only have four stocks, mm. um, you know, 25 grand each. Some people will say that. Um, I would say you have to be a pretty sophisticated yeah. investor who has a very decent level of ability and willingness to take risks to be able to do that. Mm. Um, there is a general consensus that having around 12 to 14 individual names constitutes to what we, we believe could be a decently well-diversified portfolio. Mm. Um, however, I personally think um, for most people, you don't want, I wouldn't say you would want any one stock to represent more than let's say 10% of your portfolio yeah. uh, personally. Um, but of course it, it is subjective, but again, it really depends what strategy you're taking. If you are going for a core satellite approach, then that's, that's, that's a bit different because even if that one company represents 5%, um, you still have the index that represents a much higher percentage. Yeah. And without going too much in this, because again, we're going to do this on another episode when it comes to like rebalancing your portfolio, etc. Let's say, yeah, you've got, um, to make it easy, let's say you've got um, 10 holdings, um, f- five of those holdings are index funds and five are stocks or individual stocks. And let's say one of the stocks just um, has a great day or a great week and it's grown so much in terms in terms of your returns and then all of a sudden it becomes it makes up like 20 percent of your entire portfolio um or even 30 percent of your entire portfolio and um, what does one do then <laughs> yeah it can happen it can happen and that's that's and it does happen. absolutely yeah that's that's the beauty of being an individual stockbroker if you get it right um in that circumstance you probably want to rebalance the portfolio by at least selling down some of your profits. Mm. It is it is 50-50 because at the same time, we say things like, you know, when you invest in a stock, you just buy and hold mm. and you never sell. And that can also work for some people. Mm. But again, it really depends on your personal circumstances. And based on the example, Peter, you've just given, you will probably want to rebalance your portfolio because what's then happened is that the risk level of your portfolio has actually just increased. No, fantastic. And as I said, Jax, um, just for our listeners, we're going to do a quite detailed episode on just rebalancing your portfolio. So do stay tuned for that, man. Um, Jax, before I ask you the, the killer question, which is which one is better, stocks versus index funds? Do you have any other cons when it comes to um, individual companies? Um, I think I've covered most of it. As I said, you know, the pros and cons of of whether we're talking about index funds or, or individual stocks really does come down to understanding what, what you're actually doing. Mm. Um, you know, one is buying into one business. The other is capturing a wide range of businesses in one goal. Going back to the same chocolate example that we use, sometimes I use a um, kind of a, a smoothie as an example. Mm. You know, you can either just buy one chocolate or buy one fruit, or you can buy the celebrations box, or you can buy a smoothie. Um, which one is better? Well, that's the ultimate question that Peter's about to ask me. And I'm, I'm actually trying to think of the answer. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, in my head, I was saying, I think I know what you're going to say, but who knows? So I am going to answer you, Jax, man. Stock versus index funds. <laughs> Which one is better? Um, I am indifferent. So let me explain. I think for the majority of people, for most people, I would say definitely have the core of your portfolio in index funds. Mm. That's what I truly believe. If you don't have the time, if you don't have the temperament, you don't have the um, energy to really learn and educate yourself as to how to 
become an individual stock picker um, and also learn how to manage your portfolio, for most people, I will not advise them to be only individual stock pickers. I will always um, encourage people to focus on their portfolio on, on a combination of mutual funds and index funds. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, to be fair, the best portfolio is one that has all types. <laughs> That's the real answer. Have some index funds, have some mutual funds and have some individual names. But the truth of the matter is to make Peter a bit happy, if I had to choose just one, it would probably be index funds. Come on, and there we have it. There we have it. I don't know if I really should have said that because I have a stock pickup. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely, man. And you know what I think when it comes also to that long-term um investing and just watching um your assets grow over a significant period of time um i'm probably i'm in i'm in agreement with that um and then also what you find and as you know Jax, um as you continue learning and discovering your way on this journey that's when you start to add a bit of flavor when it comes to those individual businesses um because you you just know more about you've been in the game for a, a small amount of time and then the more knowledge you gain um, the more comfortable you are doing with uh, around that. But definitely when sort of starting out, I'm definitely in agreement with you on that. Yeah. And one thing is I've totally missed some of these things, but I should have actually spoken about it much earlier. One of the key considerations when we are investing is actually fees. And I spoke about it briefly, but I didn't speak about dealing fees. And what mm. you find is with a lot of platforms, the dealing fees are more expensive when you're buying individual names. Mm. Um, and one of my favorite and the, how I advise people to invest for the long term is to use a strategy called um, dollar cost averaging, sometimes called pound cost averaging, depending on where you are. And essentially all that means is you be consistent and you just buy on a consistent basis. You buy, let's say, every month or every week, every fortnight, wherever you decide. That is a great strategy to remove the emotions of trying to time the market and that kind of stuff. And that usually works better for people that are investing either through a robo advisor that does everything for them or if they are investing in index funds and mutual funds that don't come with those dealing fees. No, absolutely, man. We talk a bit about that on the com- uh, episode 30, Common Mistakes Investors Make, uh, particularly around trying to time the market, man. That's a, a losing game. However, yeah, it's a losing game, man, however you try it. But um, absolutely, Jax, man, that's really, really useful. Um, Before we wrap up, did you have anything to close on? Nope. I think I've, we've hit everything. And I think the key thing for people to remember is having a well-diversified portfolio is a wise investor's way to go. Definitely, man. Definitely. Thank you very much for that, Jax, man. I'm looking forward to chopping up next time. And hopefully when we play football again, your team does a bit better next time, man. To our, <laughs> listeners, to our listeners as well. Come on, man. We got love for you. Thank you very much for all that you do. Keep doing what you're doing. Sharing, subscribing, liking, commenting, wherever you're listening to this too. And remember all... Stay woke. <laughs>